Joshua 17. Uh, but again, let me remind all of us, we should skip lunch this week and come and worship God during our lunch hour. If you can't skip lunch, bring it with you, and you can eat while we worship and seek God together. But uh, we decided we'd try something different and do a lunch hour type deal to see what kind of response we get and uh, just kind of put it in part of our work day. So uh, let me also give away a stinking present. Um, we want to give away some more laugh your way to a better marriage. So we thought today what we do is give away a gift for those, for the person who's been married or the couple who's been married the longest. Anybody here been married more than 25 years? 30 years? 40 years? 42 years? 43 years? 44 years? 45 years? 46? Okay, here's your stinking present. You got a t-shirt today, too. Hopefully, it'll fit you. I think it's extra small. No, just kidding. Okay. Uh, we um, want to continue in our series that we started called 2020 Vision uh, last week. And uh, it's about our church, but it's also about you personally. And I, today, I want to talk to you in the context of pioneering and possessing our 2020 vision. So my heart this morning is to think of vision of not just seeing the invisible, but also seeing vision as for something we do. So let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever else you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all that says I can do, I can be all that says I can be, and I can have all that says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave your changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Proverbs 29, 18 from the voice translation. We read this last week, but it says this. Where there is no vision from God, the people run wild. King James says it this way. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So this verse is telling us when God's vision is absent from your life, you will waste away the time that he's given you on this earth. You will live aimlessly. And what, is, and what is true for us individually is also true for us as a local church. So here are some definitions that I gave you last week. I want to review them again. They're on your notes. Spiritual vision is a picture of the future that produces passion in you to pursue your future. I remember as a young boy, uh, I was only eight years old, and someone told me there was a call of God in my, on my life, and something stirred in me. Passion began to fill me up, saying, I want to fill that vision. Spiritual vision is seeing the invisible and making it visible. I don't know what it looks like, God, 
but something's inside of me, and I want to make it visible for my life. Spiritual vision is the knowledge of the will of the Lord for my life. So all of a sudden, you get a picture. I know this is God's will, and then we're going after that spiritual vision, which is the kind you can't see in the natural, and, and you, uh, it can only come up when God shows up in your life as you seek him, and that's what we're trying to do over these next few days. Now, uh, in Genesis 13, God came to Abraham and said these words. Verse 14, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I'm giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction for I'm giving it to you. So God tells Abraham to look as far as he can see in every direction because God is going to give it to him. So as he looks, he sees the rugged hills. He sees the, the land filled with trees that was untamed and wanting to be or waiting to be occupied. Now, I've read this passage many times and wondered what it must have felt like that day when God said, I'm giving you this land. I don't know about you, but I like things all cleaned up and finished to be given to me, all right? So God wasn't saying, I'm going to cut down the trees for you. I'm going to plow the land for you, and I'm going to build your houses and your barns for you. God was telling him, he was saying this, I'm giving you a vision, and I'm creating an opportunity for you and your children to move forward as far as your vision can see and as far as you'll let it take you so you can occupy it. In fact, I want you to occupy it, and I want your children to occupy that land. A pioneer is someone who goes into new territory and possesses what they believe God has promised them. They are a person who moves forward and expands the boundaries that seem to be holding them back uh, by believing what God has shown them in the spirit for their lives. Jabez in 1 in, uh, Chronicles 4, 9 through 10, he's mentioned in the middle of, of a bunch of genealogy names, and it's like God stops in the middle of these begots and mentions Jabez, which his name meant pain. And it's like he boldly stands before God and he prays, don't let my name that my mom gave me hold me back, Lord. And Lord, would you enlarge my territory? Would you give me land and protect me and bless me and help me to be a blessing to others? Just those two verses are all it says about this guy, but somehow it got God's attention. And God didn't get angry at him. God didn't get upset with him. He didn't say, well, what's wrong with what I've given you? No, in fact, the Bible tells us that God heard his prayer and blessed him and enlarged his territory. And I want you to see this morning that heaven responds to vision. Heaven responds to people who, when they receive a spiritual vision that is beyond their natural abilities and resources, and they look to heaven for guidance and direction to do God's will for their lives, God all of a sudden goes, what was that? Did I hear something? I didn't know it was coming to me like that, but I love a heart that says, God, I know you're my source. I know you can change it. And when they look to him, God says, I'd love to expand your territory. So I want to introduce you again to a principle 
that I gave you a few years ago, and this is on your notes, and it's the vision of Think Three. I learned this principle back in Bible college, and since then I've heard many pastors and leaders uh, share it over the years, but this is the principle that everyone needs to live by. We need to think at least three generations into the future. Our God is the God of three generations plus. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, uh, which was his grandson. So it, it's father, son, grandson, and God's vision for your life will be passed on to your children, or a lack of God's vision for your life will be passed on to your children. In other words, for you and I to have a long-term vision for our lives and for God's house, we need to see it with the idea of passing it on with our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids in mind. So we need to raise our kids with the vision that God gives each of us with our children in mind. Now, that, that, we, that we would take our time, our talents, and our treasures with our kids in mind. So uh, that means when, when we worship, we worship with them in mind. That means when we fast and pray, we fast and pray with them in mind. And, and that it wouldn't be just about here and now or just about us, but it would be about our children and our children's children. We should never underestimate how heaven connects with a child. Uh, on the screen, I have a, a few pictures this morning I'd like to show you. This is City Kids in Second Service. It's packed out, and, and they're learning the Word of God. There's another picture. That's second, our first service. Uh, if you want your kids to get some individual time, first service is the place to come. <laughs> All right? But I want to show you a third picture. And... There's Logan, and Logan doesn't know anybody's taking that picture. He's just worshiping the Lord. Logan is what you, you call a church kid. You can just keep that picture up there for a moment. Oh, oh by the way, that's Alex leading worship for the kids. Okay, you can just leave it up there right there. But here's what I, I want to say. You guys didn't know I was putting this up there for you. Uh, he's what we call a church kid. He's growing up in church. He's not aware that anyone's taking this picture. He's just worshiping God, the God that he loves, and he's doing it unashamed. Now, I know he's learned that at home, but I also know he's learned it here. See, church kids, they just wear sweatshirts and hoodies and tennis shoes, and one time a year they wear pajamas. But there you go. I, I grew up as a church kid. From the time I can remember, I grew up in church. My kids grew up in church as church kids. My grandkids are growing up in church as church kids, loving the local church and loving worship. But what I want us to understand, a child doesn't get to this place just by having a good family. They get to that place and possess a love for Christ by doing it in the atmosphere of the local church as well as at home. And that local church then begins to express their love and their family begins to express their love and praise. And then they learn how to worship without inhibition or embarrassment. And I want us to always learn to think three and to think I need to get my kids to church. So on behalf of the next generation, I'm asking each of us to be intentional about bringing your kids to church. We don't want to take our kids to us, or, or we don't take our kids to school once a week. 
and expect them to get an education. So I'm asking you to change your priorities and see if not only will you bring your kids occasionally, but you'll start bringing them as a priority weekly so that it won't just get in their hearts once in a while, but it'll become part of their hearts every single day of their lives. Today, I'm asking you to join us because we're doing something significant to plant seeds into our children's lives. It's concerning to me that we might lose the next generation if we do not get our kids into the house of God and value the house of God. And the church can't do it by themselves and parents were never meant to do it by themselves. Together, we create a powerful alliance that will impact our children and our children's children and hundreds of children and thousands of children and generations long after them. Come, Lois and I figured when we were doing uh, youth over the years that we did, how many, ki- how many kids went through our house? 10,000 kids went through our home from the time we were 24 till the time I started doing this up here. And we loved it. And I remember when, when we had to let go, we both cried from letting go of that youth. And I want to ask you to consider joining our city kids team. Now, men, 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 real men, tough and yet gentle men. I don't want our kids going into classes and just seeing only women. I want them to look around and see men with their hands raised and worshiping God with them. We need men who are Davids. See, David was was a stone-slinging, giant-slaying, headband-wearing Rambo, and yet fighting on the enemies on the right and on the left, and yet he would sit down and strum a harp and harp and worship God uninhibited, unembarrassed, and say, God, I love you. Men, you can impact a child and be a godly spiritual father in ways you can't imagine. You can put your hand out over their heads, begin to pray over them, and as you do, you change a child's life. You put in them a vision. You begin to prophesy prayer over them, and as you do that, you become an amazing, amazing example of them turning and saying, you don't know this, but they're turning and saying, I want to be a man like that. I want to be a godly man like that. So I'm asking everyone, every man, every woman, every, everyone who has, join our city kids team. We want to go to, a, to three services next fall. It's going to take everyone doing their part, every man doing his part. Go to the Connection Center today and tell them, I want to be in city kids ministry. Okay. Get off that for a moment. Come on. This year, not only do we want to add a third service, we want, we want to do some remodeling in our city, kids. We want to do some things down the hallway, make it feel special. I want, it to make, I, I want to make it feel better than Disneyland. Come on. I want this to be the happiest place on earth. And that takes financial sacrifice. Sacrifice with your time and talents. But it's always worth it when it gets done and your kids will say... I don't want to miss church today, Mom. They'll get you up. And I'm hoping to get some church merch started for our kids and youth and adults where where we can wear some cool stuff and wear it proudly and and be able to wear sweatshirts, uh, shirts, and hats that are awesome to wear. And you you display it like, like polo. All right. I need a man bra, but anyway, all right. 
We're looking to expand in the next few years and adding some more campuses. And that's, that, that's going to be a, a calling and a time to step up in the house. And I just want to say, if you're a student, junior high, high school, uh, college, single, I'm asking you to step up and help us build a, a strong youth culture in this church. We don't want to be a church where just grandma and grandpa attend. We are glad grandma and grandpa are here. But I know grandma and grandpa like what I'm saying right now because I am one of them. But grandparents don't want their church to get stuck in time where, where all they do is talk about the good old days. They, they, they want an atmosphere that's creating and pioneering uh, new days because their kids have a 2020 vision from God. And we're saying, I'm here to help you reach it. I'm here to help you get there. We want to be a church for every generation. We want to be a church that loves young people, that loves middle-aged, that loves mature, prime people. I, I tell people, look, I'm not old. I'm in my prime. And you know what makes me in my prime? I have more money than most young people. And together, we're going to go after God unashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ, loving together, serving together, reaching the lost together, fulfilling the vision of the house together uh, with that 2020 vision. Now, that is worth an applause to God. Come on. Come on, Lord. Okay, we have small groups meeting throughout the week in different places. We have new freedom groups and Celebrate Recovery, meeting in, uh, I think Celebrate Recovery meets here every Monday. But freedom groups will be going on in different places, Men group, men's group, women's group. Several marriage groups will be starting up in February after Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. We have FPU, Financial Peace University, starting on January 22nd with Terry and Lois Moore. If you need help with your finances, you need to get signed up for FPU. That way you won't have to say, I'm PU, but I'm financially peace-free, all right? All right. Now... Some of, we have some big events coming up to make it easy for you to invite friend, a friend or friends who are far away from God. They, they may not come to church here, but they'll go to laugh your way to a better marriage. That's why we're doing it at the DNR. Invest. Be willing. You know, 70 bucks in the long-term scheme of things is nothing. Buy someone some tickets. And if you can't go and no one buys you a ticket, come see me because we don't want money to be any reason for you to not be able to go uh, to this event. Easter is going to be great this year. Another great opportunity for you to invite uh, someone who, who is far away from God or who's never known the Lord. City Kids Camp, another thing coming up. In, and then Back to School Marketplace, another great place to volunteer your time. And then we're going to have some leadership training for the whole church uh, on May 15th and 16th with Dr. Frank DiMazio and how to take our leadership as a church to the next level, but also how to take your personal leadership to the next level. So you should take out your phone right now, which most of you do have out, and mark down May 15th and 16th. See, God is blessing this church, so don't miss the opportunities that God's bringing your way. So we all need to think three. Say that with me. Thank Three. Say it again. Thank three. One more time. Thank three. Now, I want to take the last half of today's message and talk to us, and you can write this down, pioneering versus settling. See, this church got started because some people received a vision from God, and they pioneered this work and created a settlement. 
People have pioneered to get us to where we're at right now. Now, what happens to people after they pioneer? There, there begins to be a tension between pioneering and settling. Settling can turn into a consumer mindset. Look what we've done. Look how much we've accomplished. The consumer mindset says, now it's time for me to sit back and say, what's in it for me? I've worked hard. What are they going to do for me? It, it becomes all about me. As believers, we were never meant to be caught up in a continuous consumer mindset. You can't get it. Uh, you can't get in your best space or place by living in a consumer mindset. So what happens in a settlement is the pioneering spirit can be lost. And let me remind us that the pioneering spirit in the Bible is called the Great Commission. It's not a gift to win people to Jesus Christ. It's a calling for every person who's given their life for, to Jesus. If Jesus forgave me, I want to get the good news out to everybody else. Mark 16, 15 said, he said this to them. Go into all the world and preach the gospel or the good news to all creation. We are meant uh, to stay in a pioneering spirit of winning the loss of Grace Harbor and beyond. So what happens is there begins to be this tension again between settling and pioneering, which is, and settling is thinking about ourselves, and, 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 and I want to have a good church just for me. And the truth is, we want the best church for you, your kids, our small groups, all that, but there's this other element we never want to lose, and that is the pioneering and possessing of all that God has for us. So we were never meant to settle back in our easy chair like many of us will do today, and watch the Seahawks and tell Pete Carroll what a bad job he's doing. We were meant to have a 2020 vision from God to pioneer it and possess it. If you look at the whole world today, there are 7.6 billion people on planet Earth. Now, I can't do much about the 7.6 million people, but when you shrink that down to Grace Harbor, there are approximately 77,000 people that I might be able to touch. Not me by myself, but in my local church together. 77 people, and we're reaching people from all over this county. We're reaching people. People come here from Aberdeen, Holquim, Cosmopolis, Montesano, Alma, all the way to McClary, all the way to Rochester, all the way to the South, South Beach in Grayland and Westport, all the way to the North Beaches and Ocean Shores and, and uh, um, uh, Pacific Beach and Tahola, all the way to Hump Tulips and Quinault, and all the way, even down to Raymond and South Bend and Menlo. We're not just Grays Harbor County. We're, we're the twin counties. We, we're reaching them all. And God's helping us do that. Now, you need to know, that's not counting our church online. Online, there are, there are people watching our services when they can't make it here or live out of town in another state. We reached over 9,200 people online this year. And we reached over 2,000 in Grace Harbor this year. Now, that's not every Sunday, but people are tuning in from all over the place. And I hope you understand that Almond Church was never meant to physically replace gathering together. But I want you to know, I'm so grateful for online because when we were in Colorado for Christmas, I took out my phone and watched our service online to see if Jimmy was going to do a good job or not. <laughs> and he did. So I just want you to understand there's nothing. I've had people who watch us online, then they come to church and they'll say, 
There's nothing like being here, even though I watched online. And I want to continue to encourage everyone to be here as much as you can. But understand, there's nothing that, and understand, there's nothing that can replace the tangible presence of God and actively engaging in worship and the word and being part of this house physically. But I want you to know, when we were in Colorado, I had my hands raised. I was worshiping God and seeking the Lord with all of you. Even though you couldn't see me, I could see you. So I want to say to those who are watching online today, we want to hear from you. Give us a note. Share something on there. I see you. I'm hearing you. We want you to know we are aware of you. We see you well, not physically, but we see that God is interacting in your life. We appreciate you being there. We, we see your generosity as you give on push pay and all that kind of stuff. And in this age we are living in now, you need to know this. The average person spends four hours a day on this. 72%, hear this, of people who have phones are within five feet of their phones at all times. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word on your phone. No, he didn't say that. But that the word is on my phone, all right? And I want you to know that is me. I very seldom away from my phone. I, I read my Bible on my phone. I listen to the Bible on my phone. I, I watch you online on, on the phone. I get on Facebook to see what you're doing, and I also look at Instagram to see what pictures you're posting and all those kind of things. But we're living in a day where people are hungry for connection. And I'm grateful we do that because just about everyone's life uh, is about uh, analog and digital these days. So our online presence is growing every year. And what I want us to understand is that it's not going to go away. So I, you, we could say, you know, we're, we're just getting too tech or we're t getting this or that. But I'm telling you this, it's not going away. So we're going to reach into it and start meet, meeting more needs. And, and, and you need to know, we have one small group of women who connect online weekly and then meet once a month in a physical location. I think that's genius. And my heart it's to hire, eventually, an online pastor where we can pastor people online, where we can see physical locations where people are watching, and we can now. And, and so that's how we know that 2,000 people, 1,700 in Aberdeen alone, have watched us on, online or got on our Facebook page this last year. So, and we know over 2,000 people in the harbor are watching us or touching our Facebook page. So... Uh, that brings us to what we call, it's not on your notes, but it's called a vision gap. And a vision gap is this. There's never enough ministers or leaders for the vision that God gives. And in the gap, there's never enough financial resources. So when I hear people say, man, this church is doing well financially, I just want you to know, the vision God has put in my heart is bigger than my lifetime and bigger than our resources. So I am believing for the next generation. That's why it takes faith to do what God called us to do. So here's the third point you can write down. A pioneer enters territory that was thought to be unreachable. It's not unreachable to the pioneer, but it, there's people that say, I've had people say this, why would you go to Grace Harbor? Why not a big city but where there's thousands? Because Grace Harbor needs to be reached for Jesus. And, and a pioneer has an attitude that nothing is impossible with God. In Joshua 17, Joshua tells, just like he told Abraham, but Joshua, or like God told Abraham, Joshua tells 
the house of Joseph, which were the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, his two sons, about their inheritance for their promised land. Listen to these verses. Verse 17, And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people and have, a great, and have great power. You shall not uh, only have one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and its, and its farthest extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. Now, this phrase, shall be yours, is a key for possessing your vision. The reason Joshua is giving them this territory is because if you read the chapter back in verse 14, they asked Joshua to enlarge their inheritance. They were smaller than the other tribes, but combined, they were a decent size. And they asked Joshua to enlarge their boundaries just like Jabez did because they knew they would need more for the 2020 vision that God had put in their hearts. So Joshua tells them in verse 15, I'm going to give you this wooded area, and here's what you've got to do. Even though I'm giving it to you, here's what you've got to do. Go up, cut down, drive out, and take possession. Remember this. Go up, cut down, drive out, take possession. If God's put a vision in your heart, he's telling you, go up, cut down, drive out, take possession. I love this quote. I don't know who said this, but I love this quote. We'll put it on the screen. The vision must be followed by the venture. I, I, I love adventure. And it's, it says this, it's not enough to stair up the steps. We must step up the stairs. A great vision takes great faith, which leads to great steps of action. Lois showed this verse to me in Isaiah 7, 9b. It says this, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. You've got to believe the word of God over your life. And when you know God has spoken to you, it always leads to action. When God gives you a vision, you must believe he's spoken it to you. And as you do, stand firm in your faith because your faith is the key to help you st stand firm and take possession when you see the enemy's iron chariots. All right? Now, you need to know this also. Ephraim, this is not on your notes. It's not on the slide. Ephraim means doubly fruitful. So he, Joseph names one son, you're going to be doubly fruitful. And you know what he names Manasseh? It means to forget the past. So I want you to know this. If you're going to possess God's vision for your life, he wants you to be fruitful, but you cannot live in the past. I've got all these hurts. I've got all these things. If anybody had hurts, it was Joseph. And Joseph instilled in his boys. Listen, you're going to be fruitful. Forget the past. Forgot what, forget what all your uncles did to me. Forget what all happened there. I'm telling you, forget the past. Let God make you doubly fruitful. And he passed it on to his boys because he said, God is bigger than your circumstances, boys. Now, here's the definition of possess. Possess means to occupy and dr by driving out previous tenants and possessing in their place to seize your inheritance. So it's saying, listen, guys, if you want to occupy, if you want to spread east, if you want more campuses, if you want more children's ministry, if you want more youth, you've got to occupy, drive out the tenants, drive out the strongholds, and possess your place. Now, the phrase, it shall be yours, 
It's for those. Now listen to this. this is, I'm just going to read these. You won't be able to write them down. It's for those who have a vision larger than their resources. If you don't have a vision larger than your resources, then you can do it all by yourself. What makes it different as Christians and as local churches and as families is what we want to see happen in our kids and in our local church is far bigger than we have the resource to do it because nothing is impossible with God. It shall be yours as a Caleb spirit that believes God fully and is undaunted by the limitations of man. See, Caleb was from the tribe of Ephraim. And he believed what God had promised him 40 years before. I just want you to know, I've had people say, well, God's taken too long. Well, talk to Caleb about it. Caleb, he received the vision. He was told about the mountain when he was 40. Do you know when he got it? When he was 85. And if I'm around at 85, I'm believing for thousands of people to be touched in this place. See, age was not a limitation for him. At the age of 85, Caleb possessed his inheritance. And I put the scriptures down there so you can look them up. Also, gender was not a limitation. I've had so many ladies, well, I'm a woman and nobody listens to me because I'm not a man. And and, and So what? If your husband's listening to you, you're going places. I'm telling you right now. He passes that same spirit. Listen, Caleb passed the same spirit onto his daughters. What was my dad's is also ours. That's what they said. You look it up in 1 Chronicles 7, 23 through 25. It shall be yours builds a generation of leaders and visionaries. Here are some leaders that came from Ephraim and Manasseh. Joshua, the son of Nun. You look it up. He, he was a, an Ephraimite, and he said, I'm believing God, and he served Moses for 40 years, waited on him. And then all of a sudden, one day, Joshua is promoted. How about Deborah, the prophetess? Judges 4 or 5, she's an Ephraimite. She was a go-getter, and she was a battle maiden, and she spoke on God. She reminds me of my wife. She's just a go-getter. She didn't stop from her, her, her gender didn't stop her from fulfilling God's purpose on her life and speaking on his behalf. How about Gideon, the deliverer in Judges 7? When Israel was down and out, and they were under bondage, God called Gideon, an Ephraimite, And he said, and he delivered him from their enemy, all right? Samuel, the judge. Samuel was the greatest judge of all the judges. And Samuel was another amazing prophet that spoke on God's behalf. And he ushered in the age of the kings of Israel. So, in conclusion, on your notes, here's the conclusion for today. We're not building a building, but asking the Holy Spirit to build a spirit into ourselves and into our children, a spirit that says, I will possess all that God has promised for my life. We are pioneers and possessors of 2020 vision for our lives and our local church. I have surprised my worship team. They are back there. They should be up here, but they don't come in for another three minutes. So there you go. So Jen, can you get on that piano for a moment? Oh, here they come. You don't have to. All right. So, would you stand up with me? I, I can't wait to see what, you know, one of the most fulfilling things for me as a pastor is to see God release people like you into your calling. That, that God would come and make a way 
for you like you've never thought before. It's time for you to expand your vision beyond what you see in the natural and begin to believe God. I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord. And you guys need to know this. I don't know where I'm going half the time. Now, don't worry. I can hear from God, and I believe I am hearing from God. But the thing you need to know is this, that you seek God and you take one step at a time. And as you do, God opens up every single way for the vision that he's put in your lives. So can we just worship this morning and believe God to make a way where there seems to be no way? There may be some trees that may be undeveloped. There may be giants in that land, but I'm telling you, you can go in and possess it. And I want you to lift your eyes and begin to believe God for a pioneering and possessing 2020 vision. But it starts with knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't know the Lord this morning, or maybe you did it one time, today is your day. And you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I'm asking you to be bold. I'm going to ask you not care what anybody else thinks. But shoot your hand up. 
Say, that's me. If that's you right now, just raise your hand and say, I need to get right with God. Raise them high. Don't hold it back. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Raise it high so I can see. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I see two hands. So let's pray this prayer together. Ready? Say this with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand.